Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We are in season four. This is actually going to be our first recording of season four in the new year. The first episode of season four, we actually recorded, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago yeah. in, in the in late December. So this is, uh, I'm looking forward to this, the first real kind of official 2021 uh, recording still from the bedroom. <laughs> yes, and we are in the bedroom. Hey everyone, it's Amanda. And as anyone here in Ontario knows, uh, we are locked down. The kids didn't go back to school. They didn't take my children back. So I have been playing um, virtual teacher today and God bless all of you who have been doing this since September. 30 minutes in and I was ready to throw in the towel and start drinking. Like it is not fun. <laughs> no part of it is fun. It's sure? chaos. Well, I'm, I assume with older children, it's much easier. But with the little ones. Because yeah, older children, you don't need to do anything. Just, yeah. Just be like, yo, <laughs> go, to, go turn on the computer and go to class. No, the little ones. There was one kid in my daughter's class that kept unmuting himself and going, miss, is this over yet? Do you blame them? <laughs> <laughs> Smart kid. So tonight we are on the phone with somebody who is not in Ontario, but previously she was. We're talking to Marie, who is a RMT and uh, just recently moved to British Columbia. Uh, for those non-Canadian people here, that is an entirely different province and one I've actually not been to and always mean to go, but you know, now COVID. So it might be some time before I get there. Um, and Mark and Marie were chatting not long ago. You know what it is? I, I think I saw your stuff on, I follow you on one of the social platforms. I can't remember if it's Facebook or Instagram or maybe it's both. I don't know. And then I saw because you were working in like Midtown Toronto. And I think I'm familiar with the clinic that you are that you used to work at. And the clinic owner has actually taken courses with us before. So that's how I know of that particular clinic. And then I saw on your social platforms that you're like, I'm I'm picking up and I'm moving. And and then I th I don't know, not too while later, the posts are you on the West Coast. And I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah, he showed me one of your posts the other night and he's like, look, it's 10 degrees where she is. And again, for non-Canadians, 10 degrees right now, that's a big freaking deal. That is warm. We are like minus 10 here. So I was, <laughs> I was quite envious of you. So before we jump into anything about your move, Marie, for people listening, can you introduce yourself, a little background, how long you've been practicing as an RMT, if this was your first career and uh, sort of what your practice has been like? Oh, gosh. Wow. Um, I have, I'm going into my sixth year of being an RMT. I am originally from Vancouver, um, but I one of the girls I did yoga with, she here in Vancouver, she came up to me and she said, "Oh, you're you're going to go study RMT?" And I said, "Yes." She goes, "Well, did you know it's one year less and fourteen thousand dollars less in Ontario?" And I was like, "Huh?" Hmm. You know, like my ears kind of like you know squirrel. That's right. enticing. And I was like, "Really? Okay." So uh, I looked into it. I emailed. Um, what I found were the top three schools in Toronto, and I emailed the two schools that are here, um, the top two here in BC, and the two colleges. I just wanted to have one answer. And the reason why I did that is because going back in time, I was traveling through Australia. I got a job as a nurse's assistant, and then from there, I ended up doing my practical nursing in Australia. Um, with um, the expectation to stay. However, once everything was done, they sent me the 25th floor in immigration and said, oh, we're really sorry. Only psych nurses and and RNs can actually immigrate. Oh. Even, even, yeah, even though I, I had studied and paid 
like a ferocious amount of money to oh, wow. study there. Having learned that lesson, that's why I emailed everybody so then I could get the answer in return and straight across the board, everyone had the same answer. Yes, you know, when you study in Ontario, you have no problem going back to um, to work in Vancouver, BC. All you have to do is the legislative exam. Right, right, right. Like, okay, so I'm not going to waste my time and money, you know, moving out to Toronto where I'd never been before. Did you come here by yourself? I did. I did. Well, I guess because you're, I mean, you're from Vancouver, so it's not like you're from a small little place, but that's quite intimidating in itself. Well, going to Australia first, you're obviously not afraid to do adventurous, spontaneous sort of things. But I think coming by myself, I would be a little scared. Uh, I think I've just, um, I, I grew up um, not going to get much into it. And it's not a problem, but that would be really digressing from the whole conversation. But pretty much from the age of 12, I, I did a lot on my own. So to go traveling on my own, to move to another country, to go across Canada, it wasn't too big of a deal for me. So what happens at 12 years old that you do a whole bunch of things on your own? <laughs> um, my, my parents, they, they got divorced and my mom went back to work. So me being the eldest, um, I was then in charge of getting my brother to and from school, ironing, cooking, cleaning. Mm. Um, I, I hate ironing. <laughs> I don't even have an iron or an iron board. No one likes ironing. <laughs> you know, when I when I met Mark, um, I you will admit I never I never ironed. You're I would like, purposely I would board? purposely buy like, fabrics about? that I didn't have to deal with ironing. <laughs> so you can imagine when we first met, I didn't have a lot of expensive clothes because I was like, no, I'm not buying it if I have to press it. And I him and I move in together after I don't know not even a year of dating, and this guy's ironing every single morning and he's ironing everything he's ironing his jeans i'm like what are you doing t-shirts <laughs> jeans hey man that was when i wanted that's when that was when i was like wrinkle free yeah <laughs> and then i realized this is stupid because as soon as i sit in the car put on my seatbelt and get out of the car i'm like this doesn't look like i ironed a fucking thing why do i even bother with this plus he was living with somebody who would pull her t-shirts out of the laundry basket and i'm like yeah shake it off it's good <laughs> Right? Or, or hang it in a really hot shower. <laughs> I did do that quite often. <laughs> See, that wouldn't work for me. I'm not a hot shower guy. You don't oh. have to get in, but uh, yeah, no. I know, right? I heard her go, oh, the side. I, I heard the side because too. I just chose to. A hot shower it. is the most wonderful thing. You what's know, so wonderful like, about it? Tell me, tell me, tell me. Marie, you oh. tell him. Tell me. Tell, tell me. What's it feels like a hot shower, but one that has actual like pressure behind it. You yes. know? Just, okay, I like, definitely need pressure. It, it's going to take off a few layers skin and you just you, you feel incredible you feel amazing right mm -hmm. and sure you get out you dry up and you you may feel like you're gonna pass out but you're like that feels so good <laughs> <laughs> i'm with her i love i love a hot shower uh, i don't know man i'm into i like the cold i'm into the cold you're stuff. not a hot tub guy either are you no hot tubs are weird to me let me just sit around in really hot water <laughs> With a bunch of other people that are just sitting well, around in hot water. you don't have to sit with a bunch of other people. You can get your own hot tub and sit by yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, hot tubs only seem like they'd be fun with other people. Oh, 
Then you can't have it both ways. I don't know. <laughs> no, and hence no. I don't even bother hot tubs. I mean, you get yourself a nice glass of whiskey or something. You sit out there, look up the stars. I did enjoy like, the hot yeah. tubs though when I was at CCMH, but that was different as well because it was a whole hydro lab that had hot tubs and a bunch of massage therapy students running around. So I mean, it, that was completely <laughs> different, mm-hmm. right? That was that was not just me in a hot tub by myself. So Marie, before we get into your your move back and forth, you went to Australia to study nurse, like, or oh, sorry, I should. Backpedal. No, you um, went to Australia just to go to Australia and then decided to study nursing. Yeah, so um, I, I had a friend of mine. He was finishing up his degree. We worked together as servers, and he's like, "Oh, once I finish, I'm going to go to Australia." And I'm like, "Oh, that must be nice." And he's like, "Well, why don't you come? It's not like you have anything holding you back." And I thought, "Hmm, okay." So within a month, I had found a home for my cat, and, and I sold my car. And then a couple of months later, he's like, oh, I've got a good job. I'm not going to go. I'm like, okay. Hmm. Um, so I applied for my work visa. And I was supposed to take, you know, at least six weeks. It came within four days. So a week later, I was I was gone. I, I flew to New Zealand, spent a month there. And then I went to Australia and I was to travel around and work for a year. This fascinates the fuck out of me because I don't understand how this shit happens. I really don't. I always ask people and I never really get an answer. So I'm going to ask you and I'm going to hope for the answer. When you decide to like, I'm going to sell my car, I'm going to pack up my shit, I'm I'm getting rid of all my stuff. Do you have cash right now? Like, do you have money saved away or are you just like selling your stuff and you're like, fuck, I'm just going with what I got and I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. Figure it out when I get there. Yeah. Or do you have like money and credit cards and you're like, okay, this is, this is how much I can get away with before I actually have to start bringing in some dough somehow. Okay. Well, we're going, we're going to go a ways back. Yeah. Let's do that. Back in 2000. So, you know, you didn't really have any social media. You could do things without credit cards. So I did this all with cash. Um, I saved. Now, granted, um, by the I, I spent a month in New Zealand. And by the time I arrived in Sydney, I had about $500. That was it. I just got terrified again. <laughs> See, you're scaring the shit out of me here, Marie. <laughs> it's like you can't even afford to come home on $500. I know. This is so scary. No. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? And, and this woman, Annie, who was working at the hostel, and she's like, you know, why don't you just take today, go and enjoy today. Tomorrow morning, get up, get the newspaper. Right, because I realized that five hundred dollars was pretty much gonna pay for a month staying in a hostel, and that was it. Right. I ended up getting a serving job, and so then that brought on in income. And Australia, they like to pay you, you know, every week or or fortnightly. Cool. Wonderful. So then I was able to save up money. Um, I, I moved into a, um, a a beautiful condo. There was six of us living in this place. So you. Your rent is super cheap, right? Because you're you're living as a backpacker, right. and you're sharing either like the fold out couch or the, one of the two beds downstairs. So you're you're sharing it with somebody, but you're there for a purpose. Um, so I was in Sydney for three months, and then from there I moved to Melbourne, and I got a job working at Mount Hotham. They have mountains where it snows, and the snow wasn't coming, so I needed to find another job. My roommate had a friend whose roommate was working with a nursing agency. And so that person got me in touch with the owner of the nursing agency. We had an interview on the phone. 
I ended up the next day working um, at one of the high trauma hospitals in Melbourne. My first trauma patient um, was like incontin- they called them incontinence pads there and nasal gastrics and tracheotomy, everything going on. Nothing she could have said to me. She she told me everything, but nothing really could have prepared me for walking into that room. Yeah. Wow. And looking and going, what the fuck have I got myself into? I do not know anything about anything here. I'm nervous for you. And this is 20 years ago. Like, <laughs> we should be over it. But I'm like, oh, my God, what did you do? <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, gracefully, I, I learn very quickly. I learn hands on. I'm very observant. Um, so that got me through. Um, so I worked with a nursing agency for about, I'd, I'd say, maybe seven, seven months. And I, one of that one particular hospital they worked at, I got to know the nursing staff and the medical staff. And a couple of them convinced me to go do my, my practical nursing course. And so I went I went to the the university and chatted with them did all the paperwork and everything that I needed to do and so nobody at the university nobody at the hospital like nobody thought about the fact that you are there on a work visa like you're a, you're a foreigner you're not like you're not from there nobody thought you know you're not going to be allowed to stay after you do this no oh man no so um, I came back home for two months because the holiday work visa was done. Came home for two months, um, got rid of everything I owned at that point, and then me and a couple bags went went back to Melbourne. And I went to school Monday to Thursday full time, and then from Friday to Sunday I worked forty to forty five hours. Oh in my three god! Days. I know. I look back and I'm just like. How did I do this? Because I also had a social life in 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 the time that I wasn't working as like well. Like how? How? <laughs> I don't know. I'd be out till midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning. Somehow, like get myself to school and cup of coffee and just you know push my way through it. Yeah. Oh, the things we can do when we're young. Oh, <laughs> That's so true. There's no way now. Like I need my sleep. No, if I'm awake like past midnight, like New Year's Eve, I really pushed myself. And at like ten after twelve, I'm like, okay, I made it. Can I close my eyes now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The drive was different. The intentions were a bit different then, I suppose. Wow. And then you finish everything, find out you have to come home. When does massage therapy enter the picture? Was it sort of something you had thought about previously? Had you had any experience with massage? No, none. I, I, you know, I had massaged my friend's shoulders or whatever. And they're like, uh, you know, like, why don't you get into this? I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. Um, so when I, like, when I did come home, it, it was rather devastating because it was the first time I, you know, had actually known what I wanted to do with my life, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I didn't go back to school like a lot of people straight after high school. I wanted to just sort of figure out what I wanted to do um, instead of spending my time and money and just sort of like running the hamster wheel, right? Um, so when I did come back, I, I went back to working in restaurant again and had the pressures of a couple of my friends. Oh, Marie, like, what are you doing? You know, you can't do this all your life. And you know, and and I I, I agreed with them, and and it has not. It's it also had nothing to do with them. They they were working sixty eighty hours a week. They were miserable. Here I was working like twenty five hours a week, had long weekends every weekend, 
and I was making very good money. So it's like, uh, I really don't want to trade that up right now, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I went on and I, I, you know, I studied natural nutrition. I, I did my yoga teacher training. I did my yin teacher training. Um, with the natural nutrition, I, I was grateful for the information that I learned. I just didn't want to babysit anybody. Um, at the end of the day, if someone can't give me a food journal or what goes in and out of their body for like a week or two, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to put all that work into it. Right. If, if the same case isn't going to be on their end, um, so I left that alone. Um, as far as the yoga was concerned, I, I worked in one of the largest um, yoga studios here in Vancouver, not as a yoga teacher, but as front desk. So I got to witness the yoga teachers kind of running around from different studios every single day. And then every three months, you know, a little bit on edge, wondering whether or not they were going to keep their same schedules. I was like, is that really want, you know, is that the lifestyle I want, you know, (laughs) just running from one place to the other. That's an interesting perspective. I always assumed when I see like my, I mean, it's been a while, but when I would see my own yoga instructors and I knew they were going to all these different studios, I always thought, oh, this is so cool. You like come here, you teach a few classes, you go to a different studio, different vibe, teach a few classes. I think it's fun for a grand total of two seconds. Yeah. And then after that, it's a pain (laughs) in the ass. No, really, because when I was doing personal training and I was working in clubs all over the place, so I would be in a club in Scarborough and then later that night I'm in a club downtown mm-hmm. and then the next day the next morning I'm in a club in Mississauga and like I said it was fucking great for, for two hot seconds and it's like are you fucking kidding me? It's always Why am I doing easy this? to think something seems great it's the whole like the grass isn't always greener thing right it's always easy but to think something seems shit, great for sure like hence yeah. just mobile massage therapist right? Well exactly and it's oh, funny forget though forget it I won't do it no, no I don't do it either that's why it's funny that I can look at my yoga instructors and think like oh what a cool life you have but meanwhile, I'm the most scheduled, regimented person. Like, I don't like not knowing where I'm going to be. This whole virtual school thing has thrown me for a loop because we yeah, didn't get the clear. information about what we were supposed to do until eight o'clock this morning. Like, I was losing my shit all weekend <gasps> because I need to plan. I am not spontaneous. I maybe used to be, but old lady Amanda <laughs> is not spontaneous and I need a fucking schedule. So I was just pissed and edgy and I drank a lot of wine this weekend, Marie. I was really, really on edge. So it, yeah, I can, I can see how that would be like not the most ideal if you're the type of person that, you know, you kind of want to know where you're going to be. Um, but you know what I, I want to go back to when you were saying like, you know, you, your friends were all saying you can't do this for the rest of your life and no, they're all can. working 60 to 80 hours a week. And look at you, you had the opportunity to take courses in nutrition and take the yoga teacher training. And even though you ultimately didn't pursue a career, it's, this is good information that you have. These were interesting courses you took and you had the freedom to do it because you weren't working this crazy nine to five with overtime and, you know, ripping your hair out all the time. I think that we have our priorities so backwards sometimes when it comes to a career. Like, I don't know. That's just my... Mark has to say, eh, because he works 80 hours a week. <laughs> this, I'm just saying, there's, there's something for everybody. There right? is something so for everyone. You don't want to do that, and thank God there's someone else that that uh, gets off doing thank, stuff yeah, like that, thank right? Thank goodness. So. There's, some, there's somebody who's going to do every job. I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure you guys get it That's too. That's thought? I can't tell you. There's always someone to do something. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times that? people tell me like, how gross my job is. And I'm like, nothing about it grosses me out. What? Like nothing. Well, like, 
There's people who think it's... Telling you your job is gross as a massage therapist. Well, I mean, yeah, there's yeah, people who it. think it's disgusting that touch I touch people's bodies. people's bodies all day. And their I'm like, I, yeah, you know what? I guess they're bad. I guess that could be gross, but they like, I'm not off. grossed out about it. Their armpits smell. <laughs> No, no. You know, I, I worked when when I when I did come back here, I, I also worked with a quadriplegic for a couple of years. You know, and it's like if if those people are telling you that just touching someone's body is gross, like I had to like, you know, throw mm-hmm. on the glove with the snapping sound. I've and, changed many an adult diaper, Marie. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I know under- I had to manually help the person go to the bathroom, yeah. right? So they're on the toilet and then he would call me and I'd like, well, you know, and like fish around and help pull it out and boom, okay, yeah, call me when you're ready, yeah. Something you do, right? It's, yep. Yeah, but once you get that out of your mind, it's just it's mechanics, right? Yeah, I think that, like Mark said, there's people who will do just about anything. I could not go back to a life of sitting behind a desk for 40 hours a week. Oh, God, like no. there was one day a few weeks ago. What am I doing behind the desk? Well, I don't know. <laughs> right? I mean, Here's actually working in an office. I know you couldn't because one of the things you love about working for yourself right now is that you could show up to work in your track pants every day. Yeah. You love that. <laughs> Wear my fucking slippers all afternoon. He legitimately wears track pants and slippers most days, and it's awesome. Like I honestly, I couldn't work anywhere looking the way I look right now. Like I, I'm, I'm only self-employed right now because of the way I fucking look. No one would hire me. Look at me, look at me right now. I, I look at you all, every day. I, I wish I could see this picture right now. Well, he's the way he's dressed right now at home when we're in our bedroom is the way he goes to the office. He's yeah, wearing an ACDC t-shirt, some track pants, some slippers, yeah. and he's got his hair in a ponytail. Yeah. Like it's it is what it is. <laughs> well, that's not bad. I was I was you know thinking something a little worse. I just mean like some of the, the places that I've worked at before, and I'd show up like this and be like, "What the fuck are you doing here? Turn around, go home." And <laughs> Put on for some me, clothes. for me, I wake up and I'm like, "I'm going to work. See you guys later." <laughs> and this is the way I because we work and we're also in a, in a professional office building, so we're just surrounded by everyone else that's in like business casual, and then I'm roaming around in my pajamas in the office. <laughs> oh my! Entrepreneurship is where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> You know something though, I think like I, th- I I I actually feel that people appreciate it. They, they actually like I, I worked when I was in Toronto. I worked downtown, and you know we, we were supposed to look you know more refined, which was yeah. fine, right? I I do like clothing and fashion, so it gave me a chance to sort of you know pretty up, I guess you could call it. And then Midtown, when I worked there, um, my boss there, she she was more lenient on on the dress code, which. You know, it, it, I thought it was great. I'd show up to work and wearing a plaid shirt and, you know, jeans with big, huge holes in both my knees and, yeah, yeah. you know, a pair of chucks. You know, at first, I wonder what these people are going to say, but at the end of the day, they kind of, you're presenting the real you, real you exactly. to them. Yes, yes, Right? Yes. And, and they, it's almost like they can trust that more so. And those people that you're helping... They're they're not just a suit and tie, you know. They they probably totally. have an ACDC t shirt in their drawer as well and a pair of chucks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know what? I I also I saw a, a thing on Instagram today that was a picture of three different people. Um, I don't remember who it was. Now I know that the anyway. I'll I'll go through it. So the first one was a picture of a woman wearing like 
Gucci clothes and very expensive shoes and name brand sunglasses and like a Louis Vuitton bag, like just very, very dressed up. And underneath her, her picture, it said poor. And then the second picture was a celebrity, but I can't remember now who it was. And they were in like track pants and a baggy t-shirt and it said rich. And then the third picture was Mark Zuckerberg and his wife who looked literally homeless and it said (laughs) very rich. And I'm like, yeah, like actually you don't have to like dress a certain way to, I don't know. I don't think yeah, but even though you don't have to dress a certain way, sometimes like you, it doesn't mean the shit you're wearing doesn't cost a lot of money. No, right? so for, for sure. Example, and it didn't hit me until I was reading a book once and I was, and I sounds cause I don't really read, but I was reading this book cause it was a musician <laughs> biography and I was reading this book. It, it was, a, it was the, the drummer from rush and he has a couple of books about his travels and blah, blah, blah. And I was reading this book and I, he dressed when he walked the earth, he dressed very, you know, very just a normal dude jeans t-shirt kind of guy yeah. but in this book he was talking about his cashmere socks and i was thinking to myself well what the fuck the guy's got cashmere socks and i thought well why wouldn't he have cashmere socks? do you not remember we watched an interview recently and um oh man who was doing the interview anyway and he was uh, the interviewer was saying to the celebrity um what is one luxury you can't live without and the person said nice socks like if there that's you your guilty pleasure that you buy cashmere socks, then cool. But I just cool, mean cool. like I, I just mean even when you're when you're saying about like the way they look. But sometimes though, it's it's got to be a nice feeling though. To, to, if you have was, a certain taste I think on that something, that was the point of no, the post. Yes, 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 is that you can present yourself cashmere a certain socks. way and be broke. You know, you Absolutely. can have all the name brands and be broke. Just as you can put on a suit to try to look professional, but you're phony as hell. So why not, as Marie said, present yourself the way you are if you're most comfortable in ripped jeans and chucks then fuck go well, to work that way you can do that now yeah you mm-hmm. definitely couldn't do that before no nope. like that was a no-go before are you crazy you're being genuine and authentic that'll land you fucking nowhere and now it, yeah. it's a complete 180 and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm loving it i love loving it too it. so how long were you working in toronto total you said you've been at rmt for six years and then i guess you just went back so you were you were here quite some time uh yes i initially um Heading out to Toronto, I was going to be there for about two and a half, three years. I had actually traveled for four and a half months prior to moving to Toronto. So the school out here in Vancouver said, whatever you want to do, get it out of, get it out of your system. Because for the, and this was the school from Vancouver. So it was mm-hmm. three years. They're like, cause for the next three years, this is what your life is. Right, right. <laughs> So I'd gone to Peru for a month, and then before I was going to move to Toronto, I was like, okay, I'm out of here, which will answer the other part of that question that you had earlier. So this time I did. I saved money. I, over three months, I saved three, four months, I saved 12 grand. Um, and I went traveling for four and a half months. And then after the four and a half months, I came home for two and a half days, home being Vancouver, mm-hmm. got rid of you know a whole bunch of stuff. And... Me and three bags moved to Toronto Holy after two shit. and a half days being home. So it was quite a whirlwind. I'm realizing we got so sidetracked. My Originally, I had asked you, why massage therapy? And you started to tell us how, you know, that's, you hadn't really... Yeah, I know. We we do this. We go on so oh. many tangents. But yeah, why massage? Like you'd done nursing and then you did some courses, you did the yoga training, and then we got sidetracked. So how did massage oh. creep into your life? It, it's funny because one of the first times that I'd ever massaged someone... Oh, geez. I think I was 23. Um, 
I had run into, I was in Victoria and I'd run into an old school, high school friend of mine. Um, he was a competitive swimmer. Um, and so I ended up massaging his, his, his legs, his quads, his calves. So that's the first time I actually massaged someone. So I don't know what really guided me to do that. So that was about the age of 23. Were you good? And then, yeah. Yeah, but I didn't know that I was good. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. I, I had no idea. Like I hadn't, uh, you know, the old Steve Jobs connecting the dots kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then fast forward, you know, I was just getting a little older and I'm thinking, okay, you know, maybe I sink into something. So I started looking at the SFU website and, you know, to see if anything kind of, you know, tickled my, you know, my, oof, but, you know, I'll look at this, maybe I'll do this. Nothing from there, and I was looking on the ABC website, and it kept bringing me like to health sciences, but nothing that I, you know, I'd, I'd be like, okay, well, I like those classes and that class, but I don't want to take the, those specific programs, right. right? So then I was talking to a friend of mine who's a chiro and a physio, to whom I worked with, and I was thinking about getting into like holistic body work. And she's like, why? You're smart and intelligent. It's not to put anyone down who does body work, but you're going to go a lot further if you go into RMT. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll open so many more doors for you. You mm-hmm. can still go back and do that if you like, but at least you've opened up more doors. Absolutely. And she she knew my personality. Like, I get bored easily. So, I mean, how do you get bored with the excuse me, with the human body. It's true. It's true. No two days are the same in my world. No, right? It's like constantly doors open. You can choose anything and just fall down the rabbit hole. And so that's that's the way I got into being an RMT or moved into the decision of being an RMT. All right. And then you came, then you came to Toronto and well, after getting everything out of your system, came to Toronto and it was supposed to be short-lived. Did you just fall in love with our city? Uh, no, and because... <laughs> I'm actually just saying that because Mark always says that I just like to say I'm from Toronto. He thinks I'm like one of those <laughs> snobs that thinks Toronto's the best city in the world. Because every time he tries to convince us to move because out of Toronto do. because it's so fucking expensive here, I'm like, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, you tell me what uh, what kept you here. Well, I mean, I initially like I was as soon as I get my license, I'm on the first plane out of here. <laughs> that that was my intention. I don't want to be here. I don't like it here. Um, you know, my first few weeks in Toronto were were not so great. Why not? Are people here just assholes? Yes. Um, you know, so in the beginning, yes, that's the answer that's is yes. what I felt. That's what I thought, and that was what I experienced until um, I started working at. I was working at Rodney's Oyster House. That really gave me a moment of pause because I was like, wow. You know, these people do stop. They do enjoy. They do laugh. You know, because out on the street or on the streetcar in the subway, just like, I, you know, things that I witnessed, I'm like, you're not kind. <laughs> this yeah. is awful. I don't want to be here. You know, so, I mean, I, this isn't about a, you know, Toronto versus Vancouver, which is better. I, I won't fall into that um, hole. They both, both cities offer something so great. And both cities, it doesn't matter where in the world you go, you're going to have people who are super great and you're going to have people who are assholes mm-hmm. from every city in the world. I don't care what city it is, you know? So Toronto, there are great, great people. 
Um, the reason I stayed after I finished school was the first couple of years were were a lot um, as far as studying. And then um, I was working about 20, 25 hours a week on top of that. In the first year, in the first um, four months, I had four people that I was close to pass away. Four people, four people from home? Um, one person that was from Ontario and three people I was close to from South Africa. Oh. So I just, I just wanted a year to just be, you know, just to kind of ride a wave. Um, so that's why I decided to stay in Toronto, you know, because I know that upping, upping and moving would have been a whole lot of everything, even it being a positive move. There's a lot that goes behind that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll stay for one year and then I'll go. Um, I feel I was quite lucky because jobs just sort of came to me. I didn't go to those jobs. How does that happen? Like, did did you get like recruited straight out of school? Did you know people? How did these jobs just wind up in um, your lap? One, one of them, uh, I just simply got an email. And I didn't know who it was. Uh, I went in for the interview and I got the job. Um, I was still working at Rodney's as well. And then from that job, did it did lend to another job. So that's from knowing somebody. But the person that I know, she's like, no, that was all you. You're the one, you know, that made it through the interview, not me. Um, so to me, it's like when life is happening... And there are no, there's no resistance. Then you know, it's sort of like, okay, well, you know what? Let's let's stay. There's no resistance. Mm-hmm. I felt that if maybe I was working with people that weren't great, or you know, maybe I wasn't getting a job, that that would have been a sign to go home. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Meaning like back here to Vancouver. So it was just I was riding the wave. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm just gonna accept this, and there's no resistance, and why create any resistance? And, and so I was there for another five some odd years. And when you were here, what was your practice like? What type of what type of therapist would you describe yourself as? Open, honest. I can uh, depending on who the person that was I was speaking to. I would be quite bold and upfront. I, I feel like having traveled a lot, you got to know different cultures very well, mm-hmm. and different cultures will communicate differently. You know, so it's not that I wasn't showing up as who I was, who I, I wasn't as though I wasn't showing up as myself. I just learned from all the years and the travel, how to best communicate with certain people. Yeah. And that's a valuable, that's a valuable soft skill to just understand people and where they're coming from, because there can be, um, there, there's less disagreements, there's less friction if you can just understand the person in front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then in the sense of practice, did, could you elaborate? Oh, just were you working like, um, you know, with uh, in a multidisciplinary clinic? Were you working in strictly massage clinic? Like, mm. what was your practice? Um, it was it was um, it was actually strictly massage that I worked with. And then the real reason Mark decided to reach out to you. <laughs> because I'm, I'm curious about how easy or difficult it is to be mobile from regulated province to regulated province. So I'm always curious as to how did people do it? What was the process? Like we were talking to someone from Nova Scotia. No, yeah. 
unregulated she's, Nova Scotia. No, are you talking about the one we just did? No, man. Fuck. I don't remember because we've done so many of these. That's what I'm saying. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm interested in how it works when you're going from like an unregulated province to regulated province. So we, we talked to someone from Alberta who decided, hey, I'm going to go to Newfoundland to do the exam because I'm not going to do the exam in BC, even though she's yeah. looking to, you know, go and practice in BC and be your therapist there. She decided to do this whole other route, go to another regulated province, go to school, take the, or not go to school. She was already practicing. So just do the licensing exam mm-hmm. and then apply to the college in BC. And then we've heard from people that were in unregulated provinces like Nova Scotia when we did this back in last year or something yeah. like that. And she had difficulty coming to Ontario to do the exam because Ontario didn't recognize her education from that particular school in Nova Scotia. And that was a pain in the ass. So, but I don't think wow. we've ever had anyone on the on the podcast that just transferred from one to the other. No, and so from I wanna, regulated to exactly, regulated. So I, I want to so. hear what that process is like, how easy it is or how difficult it is and so on. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't a great, it wasn't overly difficult for me. And I, I, I can say that because I, I, my friend, a friend of mine had already gone from Toronto to BC. So gratefully, she had already gone through the sequences of what needs to be done and how it's done and who to speak to. Can you walk me through that? Because I really have no idea. Like, I mean, I suppose I can go freaking find out, but it's so much well, no, easier. But <laughs> see, the <laughs> thing is, is, is like, I, you know, if you were like, hey, we're going to move out there, could you help me out? It's a lot easier to hear it in layman's terms and trying Absolutely, to, you know, yeah. talk to someone at the college in Ontario. <laughs> yeah, it's an impossible task, that one. <laughs> um, it, it, it wasn't a decision that I had made, you know, over the last few months. It was, it was almost sudden. I was, I was talking to a, another friend of mine out here about how things were as far as COVID and how busy it was and, and she said, you know, we went back to work at this time and, you know, people feel pretty safe and people are following all these rules and and they're busy. I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, well, you know, are you, are you coming back home or what's, what's news? I'm like, oh, you know, things are going well. They're better at home and busier at home than they are in the clinic. And, you know, maybe I'll give it a year. And she's like, are you sure? Um, and she sent me the BCRMT um, Facebook job posting. I, I had a gander at that and, and one particular job posting just sort of like bounced out at me. I'm like, hmm, got really curious about it. I sent them a message the next day. We had an on-phone uh, interview. What about that job posting did it for you? I don't, I don't know. Sometimes, I don't know, it sounds strange. Sometimes something just speaks to you. Hmm. It just felt like it just felt right. I don't know. I like I was looking at the other ones, but it just that one just felt right. It does not sound strange to me. I think I make most of my decisions <laughs> that way. Yeah, because I was going to ask. The universe speaks to you guys a lot. To, yes, oh, yeah. the universe yeah, doesn't speak to me ever. I don't. Pers- I don't. I don't pick up on that. I make stuff. every decision on th- this feels like the way I should go. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I wasn't really. You know, I, it's not like I had my heart set on. Oh, I'm moving. I need to find something. You know, it just kind of, kind of, you know, shone a light. Uh, and so the following day, we we spoke on the phone for about an hour, and you know the way that that particular person lives life, treats people, um, in the sense of like clinic, uh, how they do business, all all you got a good mind. vibe. You got a good vibe. Yeah. this is somebody yeah. that you felt like you could work with. Absolutely, you know, and that that felt really great. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was like, I only just looked. This wasn't something that I had on the to-do list, right? Did they live up to the expectation? I'm kidding, by the way. Don't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, that's interesting. Um, I went upstairs to visit a friend of mine who, who lived upstairs and within like five, six hours and half a bottle of wine or maybe more, I had decided I was moving home. In my head, I'd packed and sold the things that needed to be. Um, two days later, myself and this clinic owner reconvened. Okay, yeah, not a problem. This is great. I'll get the contract out to you. And about a week and a half later, um, the contract comes and I'm looking over it and it's it's not based on percentage. It was based on a room rental. And I was like, oh, and I'm like, hold on. This is contractual for a year. And I was like, if we go into another lockdown, I'm fucked, you know? Yeah. Honestly, fucked. Um, so I emailed and said, listen, you know, like, could you put a COVID clause in there? And he's like, what's that? I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm just making this up right now, but... I just, you know, if we go into another lockdown, this is not, you know, something I can financially do. Um, and I don't want to put you into that position either, you know. So um, at the end of the day, I didn't take that contract, um, which was sad. But then on the other part of it, that was the catalyst to get the ball rolling to come here to Vancouver um, in the in the process of that, um, I had contacted um, the college out here and the woman in charge of helping transfer. So she ends up setting you up in the portal. And then in the portal, it tells you what it is that you're needing to do, how much things are going to cost. Um, so I went and spent my beautiful August long weekend getting my first aid again. That was fun. Um, oh, and remember, because I was going to do the first aid with you, Mark. Yeah, so you're yeah, like, yeah. I don't think it's on your list over there. Yeah. And I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Because you could have just taken my money. I've been like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> no, man, we go to work in, in track pants and slippers. We're not trying to take anyone's money for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, once, once all the, once the process was going, it, it was, it was quite easy to do. Um, I did set up a date of starting work at this other clinic that I had found and um, for October 5th. So I, I, I was sweating it because I, I left September 17th from Toronto to drive across Canada wow. um, because I, I really needed everything to, you know, <laughs> sort of flow through. And the unfortunate part is even though what was on the list of to do um, I couldn't just go in the porthole and, and plug it in. It was like a step-by-step, almost like a terrible video game where it's like, until you do this, <laughs> you know, Zelda's door doesn't open. <laughs> Even though I've done it already, I just you know, I want it to be in the system to show that it's done. Um, yeah, so there was that. Had to pay the money, of course. Uh, had to contact the college in Ontario so that they could give me a good standing of practice. 
the legislative exam, which was done with pencil, uh, paper, eraser. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. I didn't even know that was a thing anymore. (laughs) Yeah, no. Yes, that's what that was. There there were modules that you have to go through. Okay, yeah. So they direct you to a course that you have to take for that, and then you take the examination from that course, right? Yeah, I, yes. I literally, so I arrived in Vancouver on the 22nd. I was exhausted. And then the next day, the 23rd, is is when I started doing the module. <laughs> so wait, you said you left here on the 17th, yeah? Yes. So yes. it took you five days to drive across Canada. I was dying to know how long that yeah, took. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah but 17th to 22nd, yeah. Yeah, yeah. wow. I mean, I, I, I would definitely take a little more time. It takes takes quite a bit of time to get out of Ontario because we did our yes. first drive up to Thunder Bay, that was our first solid drive. Yeah. And then, I mean, you're still not out of Ontario and that's no, like no. 14, we, 15 exactly. hours. We went, to, we went to Kenora for a fucking wedding on a weekend. We yeah. drove to Kenora. It was torture. To go to a wedding, to wake up and drive back home. We've also gone to PEI like that. Yeah, though. but PEI, <laughs> that's, that's different. That's that takes, yeah, that's, that's like closer. seventeen hour drive. It takes about seventeen hours, not and Kenora. the drive isn't in northern Ontario where everything is dark and scary. It's not dark and scary. <laughs> it's not dark and scary. It is dark and scary I don't at like, night. I don't like. I'm always afraid of hitting a moose. That's what I mean. I don't like have to be on the alert for fucking moose. Yeah. 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 Well, the hotel we stayed at in Thunder Bay, I, I swear to God, we flashed back to about the 70s because <laughs> the hotel looked, you know, it, it looked from the outside and the inside. It was updated, but it smelled like an ashtray from the 70s, uh-huh. you know, one that was just sitting on in Wall Street for yeah. the last like, four years. It was awful. Oh, <laughs> that hotel ashtray smell. I know that smells that so much. Smell. Yeah, I oh, I can smell it. I can smell it because we still get it when we would go to Florida, and it's only what last year. There, it's only this year we haven't been. So. Yeah, we went last year, and you're right. Yeah, when that's, we would that's go, when we smell it. We most. stopped at a Days Inn in Kentucky, <laughs> and I mean. It was like, yeah, like because we were just fucking tired. By but that it was, point. It, it was like, like it looked stop. like a typical like roadside hotel. Yeah. It was a days in, but the the room, the rooms <laughs> of this place, we got a room that had two king size beds. Oh, that first one, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was it, glorious. It smelled like cigarettes, but we had gigantic beds in this yeah, place. This, this room has fucking two king size beds I'm in like, one room. Are yeah. you fucking kidding? And me? I think this the room valid. cost us what eighty nine dollars. It was pretty cheap. It was pretty cheap. A night, but yeah. that's what you get for it smelling like. <laughs> An it the did. mattresses are probably from the 70s. Oh, yeah. I didn't well. want to think about what. I actually did do a quick bed bug check. I had a client who actually came to me. Um, so, you know, you hear stories of bed bugs, but I had never known anyone who had had to deal with them. And I had a client about five years ago that came for a treatment and her skin had marks all over it. And she told me that she had traveled for work and actually ended up with bed bugs and brought them home. Where did she stay for work? It, like, I, I don't know. Her company put her up in a hotel somewhere in the States and she ended up getting bed. So after that, anytime we travel anywhere, I'm like ripping up the sheets and I'm checking for bugs. Like I'm terrified. I'm because t- it wasn't even like a dumpy hotel that she stayed in. It was a nice place, and there yeah. was bed bugs. So yeah, I definitely checked those king size beds the days in for bed bugs. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. The mattresses were definitely road trip. Yellowed. Hey man. Oh god. <laughs> 
You know what that was because we normally because we have kids so like the the, the times before that when we went down we would stop somewhere really we would fucking stay nice, nice places, just yeah. because we wanted something because we for could. the kids and it was super <laughs> clean and blah 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 and I think the last time we went we're like let's just fucking tough it out for a fucking night who cares it's like fucking camping people camp we camp whatever it's like we're paying for a room to camp in let's think of it like that but do you remember but it was crappy there was there was one year we <laughs> went got when our our youngest was only two months old i don't know what we were thinking yeah. you know what it's because when you have your first child and they're easy peasy baby like don't make a peep you could just like wear them as an accessory you think that all of your babies are going to be like that well that is false like the a first hat, one you mean, or like a yeah like, like a honestly necklace? like our first <laughs> like child i could have just sort of like like it, a handbag you know when you see like remember the old school photos of paris hilton with like a giant handbag and like a little puppy like that was like our baby oh. like she was just a little accessory because she was super chill super easygoing and then the second one came along and she you know would slap me in the face and never sleep and scream all the time but anyway we had booked a trip to florida before she was born so she was only two months old and we're driving with this two-month-old baby that, that screamed bloody murder as long as her eyes were open. So when it was time to stop again, we were in Kentucky. We ended up stopping in like a luxury hotel because it was like, whatever we see next, we are stopping because none of us could handle the screaming anymore. So we paid something like $300 for a night in this beautiful, beautiful this nice hotel. Place, yeah. <laughs> and and that explains why you can wear jogging pants and soccer t-shirts now. I'm still making up for that night. Oh man! Oh, anyway, where were we? Totally sidetracked. So you you did the exams? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I basically like the exam. It was at 10 a.m. and I was at 9:45 a.m. the next day. I just finished up my TED module mm, nice. and went in and didn't and I had to be on their back though I'm like when are you gonna find out I need to know I start on October 5th you know give me my license the stress oh my god but yeah I mean I just pulled it up here just to give it some continuity uh seven steps to becoming an RMT in BC you submit the application for registration um and then submit documentation for review uh, you pay for the law, ethic, and professional course. Um, it says online, but we were at a at a table at the college okay. with paper and pencil. <laughs> um, uh, you apply for the criminal record check. Um, they weren't quite clear about that because I was kind of in a haste wondering, okay, well, when and how do I do this? And she, yeah. I spoke to Hong and she's like, no, just as long as you pay for it, we'll do it on our end. I'm like, Oh my gosh! You know, I, I, you know, it would have lessened the amount of stress yeah, had I known yeah. that mm-hmm. at the beginning, for sure, right? Because I'm trying to have all of this align, funnel through, and and have it happen all at once, right? Um, and also, like your insurance, you have to have your insurance already um, from, you know, a yep. BC RMT insurance um, provider. Um, you you pay for the application fee and then the annual registration fee. So of course they prorate that to you know the amount of months that are are left in the year. You right. pay for that. But number one, I mean, um, when my friend Ari said to me, she was the first thing that you want to get out of the way is is your first aid. Uh, and she said that only because you got to you want to make sure that 
There's going to be a course available for you to even take. They could be filled up. Maybe they're going to cancel them. So you've got to like jump on that as soon as possible. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Say courses are always like that. <laughs> and especially, I mean, COVID, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. How is this going to happen? Yeah. When we were uh, considering bringing first aid back into our regular routine, I was like, are people going to sign up for this? Like, you know, I don't know where people's heads are at with COVID. We did. We did but one We course. brought it. Yeah, we brought it back. Because we felt we should because yeah. there are people in that same position. There are people that in that position right that now. need the course. So as soon as we decided to run it, I mean, it wasn't, we couldn't take more than eight people, but I think we had like six people sign up for it like immediately because yeah. like I need a first aid course and people aren't doing it. Crazy. Absolutely. Or like, um, I know because I, I think I did mine with St. John. And when I spoke, I I had initially had booked in an, in Etobicoke, I believe, for the weekend. And then I got a call and they're like, oh, sorry, you know, it's been canceled. We don't have enough people. Mm. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You told me like yesterday, like I was one over like your m- minimum amount that you need. Like I need this course. You don't understand. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> time is not on my side right now. And she's oh, well, we have one space available right downtown if you'd like. I'll take it. <laughs> I don't care where I have to go. Just sign me up. <laughs> exactly. If I have to pay more, I don't care. I need this. Shit, stressful. But then it all worked out. And now yeah. we are talking to you at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you are back in B.C., living life. Um, are you happy to be home? I Yes, I am very much. Um, it, it, it's interesting because I, uh, you know, as, as much as I was kicking and screaming like a child going, I'm moving back to Vancouver, I'm out of here, um, me and Toronto became friends. Um, there are a lot of great, amazing, wonderful people that I've I've met in Toronto with with such big hearts and, you know, working a lot downtown that, you know, I, I was able to see past just the the hustle of Toronto, mm-hmm. you know, that there, there's more of a soul behind that hustle. Um, and hopefully like, you know, with the clients that I had, I hope that I had inspired them to see a little past that sort of ingrained hustle. Ingrained hustle. Like an ingrained hustle. I, one of my clients is originally from the UK and he lives in Toronto and go, would go back and forth from Toronto to Vancouver. And he said to me, he goes, you know, Marie, I figured out the difference between people here and Vancouver. And I was like, you know, well, what is that? And he said, well, you ask someone from Vancouver what they do. And they're like, oh, you know, I, I, I sail, I ski, I snowboard, I, you know, I golf. You ask someone from Toronto what they do. Oh, you know, I'm a lawyer. I'm in yeah, finance. Yeah. I'm a doctor. Yeah. And and it's not, this is simply an observation. This is in no way putting one city down to the other. It's It's just an observation on the sense of where the mind is at. This is very much an ingrained hustle type of city. Like I think I think it's in all of us. Yeah, yeah. And and I can definitely see like I, I grew up pretty much being like a workaholic. So in a way moving to Toronto too, that sort of mirrored what maybe I wasn't really wanting to look at. Mm-hmm. Um and moving back to Vancouver, yeah, I, I am really happy to be home and I feel now look Looking back, had I stayed in Toronto, I would have settled. Um, and it, there was nothing wrong with Toronto. Nothing was terrible about Toronto for me. Like friends are great. Where I was living was wonderful. 
work was fabulous too, but I would have been settling, mm-hmm. right? I'm a big outdoors person. I was just about to ask you, since you're, since you're back in Vancouver, what do you do? Um, hiking, you know, um, uh, next week I'm going to go buy some boots and bindings for my snowboard that I bought in Banff. So get back on the mountain and, and start snowboarding again. Um, I brought my paddleboard back from Toronto with me. So, you know, I can go paddling. I can see the water from my balcony. So I can Amazing. see if the water is still or not. Take it out there, sailing, um, rock climbing. I mean, it's, it's a bit cold and wet to be rock climbing outdoors at the moment. but. Yeah, those are my ideals, really. So awesome. And I make a lot more and work less in Vancouver. Oh, interesting. Is it that the rates for massage therapy are higher in Vancouver? Um, They're a little bit higher. And like where where I'm working, they charge a rental for the room per day. So just to give you an idea, one place downtown, Downtown where I worked, they gave a 55% split to the RMT. Mm. The after taxes, the one hour massage was $108. The clinic that I'm at here in Vancouver, um, after um, taxes, the massage is $120. And that's pretty much straight across the board if you look at any other clinic in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the, the, I'm getting charged, what is it? After tax, I'm getting charged $115 per day to work. So one treatment pays for your space. Yes. Amazing. So I I'm I did the math and I think I'm I'm making like about $180 more a day. And you get to do all the things and be in a place that by the sounds of it, I'm just speculating because I've never been there, but it sounds to be just a more chill vibe, not so much hustle. Not so much work your work until you can't work anymore. <laughs> be as busy as you can be, type of place. Yeah, I mean, there's not as much of a hustle here. I mean, here it's it is about the lifestyle. I, I do miss Toronto and well, pre-COVID and the aspects of you know places that you could go out to downtown. There was more of a variety in that aspect. But I mean, I'd rather be outside if possible. Totally. Maybe we should move. West, Mark. Mm, you should. Settle down. You don't even want to leave here for two hours away. Yeah, you want to leave it to the other side what, of the country. Okay, Marie, tell me. What That's is not what I'm saying. That's interesting not what I'm saying. anywhere, it's not, it's not, go any direction, it's not two hours from Toronto? Is any is any of these places oh, no, interesting? And that's the thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No. I mean, one of my favorite places that I would go to is Niagara-on-the-Lake. And there was this one secret place that I would go to where even if it was a busy summer's day, There'd maybe be a couple people in this one Larry on the water. It was my one of my favorite places. So I would go there or head out to um, Prince Edward County. It's true. These places are beautiful and I do really like wine. So I like where your head's at. But... <laughs> Now that I have, yeah, she she names two wine countries, Prince Edward County and Niagara-on-the-Lake. Okay, we okay. could be friends, Marie. Um, yeah. I, now that I have children, cannot live in a place that doesn't have the multicultural atmosphere and the diversity that a city like Toronto does. Vancouver still has that. I could go there. Um, It does. It Maybe does. not to this extent. I get that. No. Yeah. And that that's another part that I miss about Toronto is the diversity is so grand and so wonderful. I mean, our little Italy here on Commercial Drive is 
it's not really Little Italy anymore. It, it, it hasn't really been for quite a few years. Um, it's been gentrified. Um, but, you you know, Toronto still has Little Italy, Little Portugal, Little India. You, know, you can go to these little na- neighborhoods that still have that look and feel and the food and a bit of the grit, you know, that yep. goes along with it. Um, I mean, we have com- Commercial Drive does have some grit and sort of Main Street has a bit of grit. Um, but yeah, if you're wanting like the culture, if you really want that feed of the culture, it it is Toronto. And it's not to say that BC doesn't have it. It's just so much more grand in Toronto. Yeah. And I know that I'll probably never get it the way that it is here in Toronto, but that is part of the reason, even though Mark thinks it's because I think I'm cool. Part of of the reason (laughs) that I constantly go back and change my mind on leaving is because I just think it's such a wonderful environment to raise kids in. I think if it was just him and I, if I didn't have children, I would go anywhere. Because mm-hmm. I, I got to grow up in, in Toronto. I got to grow up in the most multicultural city. But having my kids, I'm like, I don't want them to not have that. <laughs> How old are your kids? They're so little. They're three and six. <gasps> oh, oh. They're so little. So I don't know if we're going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> well, you know, they're very adaptable. That's true. Yeah, you could always do a home switch, you know, for like six months. Can someone move into your home, then you move here. Oh, I don't like people. I don't like people fucking up my shit, Marie. (laughs) No, I know. I'm the same way. I could never have a house cleaner. I'm like, what are you getting into when I'm not there? You know, we have tried. We, I, I did pre-clean. We've tried (laughs) to have house cleaners, and in the past, we've had three different house cleaners but we knew all of them because him and I are both the same that like we don't want just some random stranger coming into our place so we've never had anyone that we didn't know already like either a friend of a friend or like there was always a connection and Mm -hmm. each time one I pre-cleaned and two I would clean after they cleaned because they didn't do it up to my standards so (laughs) no (laughs) no I mean also too I don't know if I would suggest moving children in the middle of a pandemic either. No, absolutely not. I, you not know, right driving now. across Canada, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, because I had no idea really what I was coming to. You know, it's not like I was guaranteed a salary, right? Right. <laughs> just, I shot in the dark. I'm like, you oh my are gosh, ballsy, am I going to make it past man. November? <laughs> you make some pretty, pretty big decisions that are terrifying, but... You go with your gut. I like that. I dig it. I totally dig it. Um, do you have yes, I do. questions for Marie? I know they're burning inside of you. Not burning inside of me at all. There's nothing burning inside of me. <laughs> if there I was, I think, I, I, think I, just, I need to go to the I doctor. I just think hemorrhoids. I'm yeah. like, I don't think I should treat you. It sounds like hemorrhoids. Maybe you should take the burn home. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> something different. I was like, when I pee, it burns a little bit, but that's all. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'm where kidding. both of your heads went. I'm, I'm just looking at a very peaceful picture of a lantern on a beach, you weirdos. <laughs> no, no, this is what happens when you end up with, like, I think that medical mind. Like, when I was in Australia, my, my boss, uh, the bistro I was working at, he decided, I don't want to have the restaurant anymore. I'm like, okay. He goes, you want the goldfish? Sure. And one of the goldfish, he's this black goldfish with big, bulgy eyes. And I was studying my nursing at the time. And so I named him Endo. And my non-nursing school friends are like, why'd you name him Endo? I'm like, well, because he looks like someone with an endocrine disorder. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> it's those things that get you through, right? <laughs> no, that's so good. Not appropriate, but I mean, you do what you can when you're in that job. <laughs> All right, Endo. <laughs> what is your favorite favorite thing to do as a therapist on the table what is your favorite thing favorite massage thing to do to a patient or a client oh um it's it's been interesting because over the last couple months i've been discovering new ways um so over the last few years i've learned like i love trigger point releasing and hanging out there and, and helping people in that aspect but I'm learning how to I'll have a primary point and I'll move and I'll find the secondary point mm. to release the primary point. So I've been finding patterns of primary and secondary points that are relating. And it's so exciting. Like I one I I've quite a few nurses now, which is fabulous. We both have the same sense of humor. Um so she was in, you know, I've got a big old uh trigger point in the VL and I was like, hey, I don't know why, but someone's telling me to go into the into your abdominals. Is that okay? And she's like, yeah, sure. So I got my left thumb just like, oh, ran into her VL. And she's like, oh. And I take my right hand just whoop, right into the transverse. Yeah? And she's like, whoo. And at the same time, both those points released. That's the kind of work as an RMT that I love doing. It's it's something that I've discovered over the last few years to help rather than just sort of the old flourage stuff. I love that. Something is telling me to go into your abdominals. Hmm. Mark's like, what? What's telling you? The what universe. Do you- <laughs> the universe. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I've tried it on a couple other clients too to see, well, you know, maybe it was just this person, maybe, you know, but it's worked with other clients as well. Uh, because of our pal, Sue Rue, I don't know if you know Sue, she also hosts a podcast called Love Yourselves, and we've had her on our show a couple of times, but she is really, really big into abdominal work. And the more I talk to Sue, the more I realize how I spent the first probably eight years of my career really not doing enough abdominal work. And I've been doing so much with people lately. And they come back to me and they're like, I don't know what you did, like under my ribs, but holy shit. Like, yeah, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like I've been using like, you know, the, the anterior intercostals to help with the range of motion and release for, for the shoulder as well. Right. And up in, into the, the pec major minor, but like right in close to the sternum or right under the diaphragm to assist that as well. I don't have a rhyme or reason. It works. And like my, one of my bosses, he's a Cairo and he's like, what's this voodoo you do? Cause I treated him. Right. He wasn't having range of motion for quite some time, proper range of motion in his, in his shoulder. And he just sort of looked at me and he's like, well, it works. I'm like, yep, great. Okay. <laughs> so you're obviously not one of these therapists who believes if there's no evidence to back it, you're not going to do it. Like you're pretty open-minded. If something's working, you're getting good results. It's not causing harm. Let's do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ab- absolutely. But I, I'm also like, I'm a huge. I'm huge on advocating my clients. Like, I will tell them, and and even if I've seen them a couple of times, they'll be like, "Hey, remember, you're the boss of my hands." You know, like, if you need anything more or less, you need to tell me, and I don't care how many times you have to ask. You know, because sometimes people get all polite and oh, maybe I've asked her too many, or 
you know, I'm like, you know, your body better. Like, let's work together. If this is too much and, you know, if you, you're, you're going to fight against it and I need to back off, but you have to let me know this. Right. So we work, we work together. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it too, is I feel it then they're more present yes. as to what's going on with their body. And they ask more questions They're learning. I've had some clients go, I, I've never had treatment like this before. Like, what is Can this? I ask you but guys I like question? it. I want to ask you guys yeah. a question about working together with your patients or clients. And look at, cause, cause you guys, you guys sound like you practice very, very similar and looking back at the stuff that you would do with a patient or a client that is kind of going back and forth with you and really working with you, would you have done all of those things on your own? If that communication wasn't there, take any scenario that you can think of and would you have behaved significantly different if it wasn't for the conversation that took place? Well, I think I changed in my 10 years. I think initially I um I think my thought processes were much more mechanical. Like I don't think I looked at a person, not that I didn't look at them as a person, but I think that I was really just looking at a body on the table. I have a kin background, so that's where my head was always at. I don't know if my communication skills were where they are now 10 years ago because I was in my 20s and, you know, no offense to anyone listening who's in their 20s, I was a little dumb and I thought I knew more than I did know and I, I maybe sometimes felt like I had to prove that I knew what I was doing. I think that I would just treat the way that I felt like, no, no, this is what you need. And I know what I'm doing and I'm going to do it. And I think once I grew up a little bit and once I learned to realize that I have to trust my body a little bit more, like I think in the last, I don't know, however long, like let's say five years, I maybe learned how to listen to my body a little bit more. And it made me realize like, okay, if I can understand this is what my body needs without actually necessarily knowing why, like, why would I think that my clients can't understand that? So I think that I do involve them a little more now, whereas before, it's not that I didn't tell them what I was going to do and why I was going to do it. But it was more like, this is, this is what the issue is, and this is what I'm going to do, and this is why I'm going to do it. I would tell them, but now yeah. I get them more involved in, you know, using some of the language that we we teach when we're teaching courses. Like, does this feel like it's helpful to you? Yep. Is this, you know, is this a good kind but, um, of discomfort? I, I, is what a bad I, kind I was of just trying to, f- yeah. I was just trying to figure out though with yeah. with with you guys. Then, is there like this kind of because the I'm I'm only asking because the universe apparently speaks to you fuckers. Right? <laughs> is there this intuitive thing that happens that you know what? Even if I didn't have this conversation with you and we worked together, you know, I would have felt this in your body. You know, well, of I course, been, there's the intuitive part. That's like what that's, that's what Marie the, was saying. But where something's but telling yeah. me yes, yes, to but go this here. Is, but this is what I'm. This is what I'm asking. Then, so in those moments when that is happening, like when when you're going back and forth with somebody and you're really working with them in retrospect when you look back at those moments is it like wow i probably would have arrived at that same solution if i didn't have that communication like that's what i wanted to know maybe i should have just asked that um i guess maybe (laughs) maybe (laughs) it's it is hard to say because the communication is always there as marie said she's constantly talking to her clients and telling them this is what i'm going to do and involving them but the conversation comes from our decisions as the therapist is this is what I'm feeling and this is what I think we need to do. And then the involvement with the patient is more like, how do you feel about this? And does this feel good for you? Because something can be like, okay, so it can be indicated that I want to mobilize your GH anteriorly, but then the client is saying like, that feels terrible. Mm -hmm. So am I going to continue to do it? 
Probably not. I, I think too, it's it's about bridging the aspects of intuitive and the science. I I remember going to school, and I honestly, I I I wasn't my intuition wasn't. I thought I'd lost it because I, it was very science, obviously, right? And I was, you got to stick to the learning so that you can pass the licensing exams. So there was that fear of of not having the adaptability of the intuition. I, I, but what I feel happened was having the science behind it only elevated the intuition. Absolutely. Yes, I know our initial idea was to talk to you about moving from regulated province to regulated province. And that conversation mm-hmm. maybe only lasted 15 minutes. Doesn't matter. You're so but fucking interesting. Yeah. You were a very, <laughs> a very delightful conversation on a Monday. Is it Monday? Oh my God. I have oh, four Mondays. more goddamn days of virtual school. I can't. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Marie. It was really fun to talk Thank to you, you tonight. Likewise. Right on. You guys have a listening to two massage therapists and a microphone. Peace.